And so uh, today then, I want to focus in our together, we are one community. I want to focus about being a community of love. We're going to read our uh, scripture for this series, uh, John 17, 20 through 23. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Say the world. That, that how God is in us, how we allow Christ to work in our life becomes a reflection to the world that they also may believe. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. In the, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world, say the world, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That's our focus today in that passage, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. When we think about being a community of love, it's very, very important to understand that God is the originator of love. The Bible says that God is love. And so love came into the world to rescue mankind. And basically, to be one in us just as he is one in the Father. To invite us into that, that place of, of oneness with them so that we can be made perfect, not alone, but together. And we are better together than we are by ourselves. That video shows that very clearly. It was a time in their lives that they were much better with the community of the body of Christ than they were to be alone. Can you say amen? We all have those moments in life, and it's very important for us to reflect then upon what does community mean. I've shared this definition, but for those that haven't been here through the series, I want to continue to revisit that so that we're all on the same page, because that's what community is. So community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. We are believers in Jesus Christ, and we follow the Word of God. Amen? So the second thing there is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. And I would say that Scripture gives us all three of those areas very clearly to follow. Amen? So then, when we think of being a community of love, the greatest challenge to being a community is, of course, the diversity or the differences that we may have uh, may challenge us from time to time to stay in a spirit of unity. Now, especially when we have, uh, it's not a new thought, it's not a new thing, it's existed uh, from time of old, but, but it's something that's defined in this day and age uh, that comes in that basically, that's your truth, this is my truth. Here's how it goes. It's, it's uh, an ideal called, uh, or if you will, philosophy called relativism. This is a doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context and are not absolute. So if a person gives way to relativism, that basically truth, your truth is different than my truth. You, you can have your truth, I'm going to have my truth, but God's word has no say in what that looks like. God's word is not the the, the definer of what we would say we believe, not the definer of what we would declare truth to be, then what happens is, is we're given, we're given uh, way to whatever this philosophy is and what that philosophy is, and this is what I think, and that's what this person thinks, not what God thinks. That's why his word is so important. And if we are to be a community of believers that know how to walk in love that looks like God's kind of love, it's very important for us not to give way to the relativistic ideas of this world and exchange God's truth of what love is for the lie that the world offers. Amen? Every one of us has seen it. Well, if that makes you happy, then you do that. Right? If that makes you happy, then that's okay. Even if it's not okay with God. There's so much of that that goes on in our society today that oftentimes what we would do is we would think that, um, that it's something new. 
that these things that take place in our, the, the conflict of ideas that take place in our society today, well, that makes that person happy, so what's wrong with it? That those are new philosophies. They are not new. You can read all through the Bible and you'll find example after example after example. Generation after generation after generation that had some of the same struggles and battles and would exchange the truth for the lie and ultimately what they would do when the moment that you exchange truth for the lie what happens is is you are no longer walking in the love of the father you're no longer walking in in the way that love has been defined by the kingdom because the love of the world is the enemy of god it's what the bible declares that to love the ways of the world is that it's enmity or it's the enemy of God. And yet we see so often that what, what happens is, is we want, well, there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. If they love each other, you know, that, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm, I'm going to lay it out here for you because in a moment we'll get real deep into it. One of the things challenging the church, the community, the body of Christ today more than anything is this relativism that there is no absolute truth. There's no absolute truth about man being man and female being female. Come on now. See, the term, if you haven't heard the term non-binary, raise your hand if you've heard the term non-binary. Non-binary, what it means is, is that there's no measure there's, if you will, there's no original, let's just say it this way. There's no creation that set things in motion to be a specific way. Let's just go ahead and say it's relativism because there is no absolute truth. Non-binary is the word that's used. When that gets laid out, what happens is, is that it flies in the face of our creator and this is what it says to him. You didn't create me, I created myself. I'm not defined by you, God. I'm defined by myself. I mean, I had to write these down because some of the things that I see and I think about it, how it's going into our schools. I've talked with teachers, you know, pastors, you know, all over this country. The interaction that we're having right now, you know, that I sit on the national board of our organization and this is, it's something that's moving fast. It's faster than it's ever been and our children, little children, are going to be taught these ideas of non-binary. That you're not defined, you're not defined by any absolutes. Whatever's relative to you is okay. So I wrote these things down because I knew that I could go on a bit of a rant. <laughs> I think about my grandchildren. Now, it's tough enough raising my kids coming up through the school system and, and, and saying, and, and people will say, well, you should have put them in Christian school. And you know what? If you choose Christian school, go for it. That's great. My wife and I, when we prayed through it, it was like, I'm going to raise them in the middle of what's going on, and I'm going to be involved enough in their life that will happen. And again, neither way is wrong. It's your convictions as a parent. You need to do that. But I'm going to be so involved in their life that when those moments come to where they're being told this thing, I'm going to take them to the Bible and show them where it's false. When they're given a relativistic idea, I'm going to take them to the Bible and show them an absolute truth from God's word. Because he either is or he's not. Hmm. Yes, he is. You understand I'm speaking to you the question that the world has. The question that the world has, you know, is there a God? Even when people say there isn't a God, as if there's no absolute truth. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they know absolutely there's no God. And so then basically give way to relative truth for everything else in their life. But they know absolutely there is no God. Rather than taking what the Bible says to say that absolutely there is a God. Can you see that? Their relativism allows for them to absolutely know there is no God. <laughs> see, God made it this way. He said, you have no other gods before me. That you will have no other gods before me. 
In other words, God said, there'll be other things that are important to your life. There'll be other things that you want to pursue, but have no other God. There'll be things that are relative to your life, things you would like to do, things you enjoy, but have no other gods before me. So here's the deal. If it defies me, then you know it's not sent from me. Therefore, turn away from it. Enjoy those other things in life. I I better move on. Lord, have mercy. It's such a hot button in our society today, and there's such division in the hearts of people. So let me just read these things to you that I wrote down. So much of what we commit ourselves to in service and support is influenced by what we hold as dear and true about something. That is why the fickle nature of relativistic influence causes us to swing the pendulum from one side to the other. Do you know when... Uh, coffee was bad for you and then it was good for you do you know when eggs were bad for you and then they were good for you did you hear that cholesterol isn't actually what causes heart attacks it's something else now man only sees so far God sees now and into eternity was and is and is to come we get in our moment and what happens the things around us influence us the relativistic ideas influence us to think a certain way and God's people are not to be that way listen the truth of God's word gives us a true north or a true north on the compass of our beliefs it gives us something solid something set something anchored the uh, or, sorry uh Without the anchor of a living faith in God, according to what he says in his word, we are given to wander from solution to solution, never truly gaining a cure for the problems we face in society, marriage, family, work, friendship, really, and everything in our lives. We find ourselves subjected to go this way, that way, because we're looking to the ideas of man, or, or if you will, the ideas of man, our own ideas, rather than going to the one who made us knows us better than we know ourselves, and can guide us by his spirit into the best life the ordained us to have. If you think about it, Jesus was addressing this very issue while here on earth. The Jews were no different than us. They would follow God and then turn away to other gods. They would turn to him, they would turn away. They would turn to him, they would turn away. What did it look like? They were deceived by sex, money, power, Basically, selfishness on every level. They were deceived by sex, money, power. Write it down. Because all you got to do is go home and turn the TV on, and you're going to see all those things predominantly projecting through that TV screen, and it's what's talked about that's going on out there. Basically, selfishness. We are a society gripped with the same issues, I believe. The truth of God's kingdom may provide for us to enjoy these things. Look, none of those things are bad, and we can enjoy them, but they are not to be God's in our life. They're not to be set before him. And if we submit, see, if God is first, we submit those things in our life that he meant us to enjoy, and what happens, they're defined by him. And when they're defined by him, they can be pure. Can you see that? In God's kingdom, he he may provide for us to enjoy these things in proper context, but the ways of the world would have us pursue them to our own end, ultimately causing us to be possessed with greed and lust rather than gripped with purpose to give and share in the most beautiful expression of love, sacrifice. See, when you, you look at our society, everybody is at the t- everybody's grabbing for what they can get. Everybody's shouting for what they can get. Everybody's declaring, what is mine? I'm entitled to this. I've been given certain inalienable rights from the United States of America. Isn't that what our Constitution says? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Sorry to set you up. Certain inalienable rights that have given to me by my creator. You turn to the source of, well, our country needs to provide that. No, God's your provider. Jehovah Jireh is what my Bible teaches me. The Lord is my provider. 
And when we have a mentality that the Lord is my provider, what happens is, is that we come with a heart. And i gotta, I got to go back this way. Have you ever knew John F. Kennedy? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And everybody knows that statement. Why? It wasn't that it, it was so profound. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for the whole world. John F. Kennedy was, was magnifying a principle set by Christ just for America and speaking to Americans in that sense. We don't have that kind of a, a nation in many ways to speak anymore. That's why people can hate each other so easily. I'll tell you, I, I know I said it a number of weeks ago, my heart is torn to watch what's going on to our country. And I, I, I tell you, you know, no matter who you're going to vote for, I'll tell you, I'm looking at it and I'm just saying this. Seriously, the greatest, we would say that America right now, even the whole world would look and it's the greatest nation on the planet. Everybody agree with that? They look to us for answers. They look to us for, for care and protection and provision And this is the best leadership we have to offer? Seriously? No no matter where you're at on it, you got to see where I'm coming from on that. Is that that when you look at the media, everything is swinging on the pendulum of what's relative to who they're talking to. And I'm saying that if America doesn't get back to core values... If we don't get back to core values, what's going to happen is we're going to lose America. Now, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom here. I'm just saying that, mark my words, if we don't return to the Lord, America's on a road that it can't come back from. And while we say amen, we got to offer up an old me. Because if we sit in this room and we say that I'm a believer who lives in America... And we would say that, yeah, it just, it's heading the wrong way. All of a sudden, we have a responsibility together as one community to reflect God's kind of love. It's not a judgmental kind of love, but it is an, a love that is defined by absolute truth. And when absolute truth from what God's word teaches about the issues that we see in our society, when that is defied, our creator is defied, and we cannot sit back and say, God bless America. We can say it. You got to say, man, just kind of return to me. It's all you, right? What, what does he say? He says, he says that if my people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will come and heal their land. I will hear from heaven and I will come and heal their land. Now, I don't think there's any greater prayer we can be praying together as one church body then God heal our land hear us heal our land calling out to him to move in America a lot of people say well you know America it's funny I'm talking to some folks well America's kind of been leading the world for a long time you know maybe it's time for them to pass the baton to someone else who who Because it might, I think they're right. It's probably right exactly there. The baton might get passed, but to who? And what's the world going to look like? What's it going to be like for Israel? Huh? See, these are real matters that weigh in. When you watch on the news and you see Turkey, and you see the things that were going on there, the current coup that went on, and... uh, all those things, and you see this realignment going on with countries, and you see Russia flexing its muscles again. Just go read the book of Ezekiel, and you'll start to see that prophecy is in the middle of being fulfilled right now before our very eyes. And oh, by the way, when you read those books, you're not going to find the United States of America in there. So what does that mean? We need to be a praying people, because we could be a people that are on a, a road right now with troubling times what was called the time of the tribulation again it's not to be doom and gloom but i'd say this jesus did say that uh, you know the weather by the signs in the sky and you know when the end's coming near by the signs of the times and it's so important for us to be a people of love 
and united together as a community that, that look to the word of God to give us our direction, not to the world to give us our direction. Amen. Amen. So uh, what, does, what does all this mean in context of a loving community? It means that together as one community, in Christ, it looks very different from the world. Let me share three points to compare lo- the love of heaven versus the love of the world. See, when we, when we have to know the difference, we have to know the difference uh, between heaven's love and the world's love. There's a difference. First and foremost, I want to point out that love's expectation is something that is going to be there from the world and from the kingdom of heaven. There's love's expectation. See, here's what the world's expectation where love's concern looks like. The world says, do what you will. I I love you. Do what you will. Do what you will. Whatever your will is, go and do it. Luke 9.23, this is what Jesus said. Then he said to them, if any of you desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. See, there's that sacrificial love that Jesus displayed that we've got to have towards others. But at the same time as we have a sacrificial love toward them, it's not a do whatever you will. Yeah, right? Do whatever you want to do. That's okay. We can't have that kind of attitude. We have to have the attitude that Jesus had, and that is the kingdom says, not my will. Not my will. We know Jesus said in Matthew 26, 39, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, say nevertheless. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That relativistic approach to things says, as I will. But heaven says, as he wills. Jesus was the example to tell us as believers that we follow after him, pick up our cross. There is, there's a burden to bear, come on to go his way rather than our own way. It's, it's, it's uh, loving Jesus and being loved by Jesus is one of the simplest things. Love God, love others. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest, Jesus said. And when you, when you commit your life to be a Christian and you're going to follow Christ with your life, what you find out, man, it might be simple to give your life to Christ and to choose to follow him, but man, that cross that you bear to follow him looks a little bit different than that definition. It has some complexities to it, does it not? It has some challenges to it, especially where it comes to being in the world and not of it. And I'm in the world. The Bible says I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And we find ourselves pressed on every side, right? Paul the Apostle even talked about that, Right? Persecuted, right? Crushed, but not destroyed, you know. He's declaring to us, look, this is what the Christian life will look like at times. It's going to be difficult. The, the world's going to press in on you, and it's going to tell you you're wrong about the way you say life is meant to be. That's your truth. That's not my truth. Actually, I, I didn't have it till I read it in the Bible. I didn't have it till I read what God said about life. I didn't have forgive your enemy. <laughs> Come on. Because my thing is retaliation looked a lot better to me than forgiving. <laughs> Anybody else? Somebody wrongs you, what? Wrong them back and make sure you do it even better. That's not what the kingdom teaches us, is it? So the second thing then is love's empathy. In a community of love, we have to have empathy. Love has to have an expression of empathy with where people are. See, the world shows its empathy this way. The world says, be who you want to be, self-identity. The world's empathy is going, just be who you want to be. It's okay. You define yourself. It's okay. In other words, this is what I think, and that's how I feel, and so on. And and we're empathetic toward their situation, and that's okay. You're okay. I'm okay. Hmm. But Romans one thirty two. Actually, you know what? 
Who's got a Bible? Just a King James. Who's got a new King James Version? Everybody's got Bible apps. You got a new King James Version? I'm going to use it for a second. Let me read this passage to you under that. The world says, be who you want to be. Self-identity. Romans 1.32 says this. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Okay? Approve of those who practice them. Oh, I'm going to turn that that way. I'm going to move from there. Uh, If you want to go to Romans uh, chapter 1. How long have I been going, Jeremiah? Huh? You didn't count? Jeremiah told me before I started I couldn't do it in 30 minutes. I got to take the staff out to dinner if I don't. And if I do, they're taking me out to dinner. But no matter what, we'll honor the Lord. How's that sound? (laughs) Oh, man. Praise God. Let me get here. I was telling them I think I need bifocals. I can see great through these up, but not down. <laughs> Sign of my age. Dun, dun, dun. Ah, here we go. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read all of this to really give us context to that passage. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Does it sound like love? Sounds like judgment, doesn't it? Is love judgment? Is judgment love? See, the world would say that their judgment is love. See, I judge that it's okay if that's what they want to think and believe and do in their life. Uh, They judge and say basically it's wrong for the church or wrong for the Bible to say those things concerning people's lifestyles. And by the way, we want to teach your little children that come to school, we want to teach those same lifestyles to them and that it's okay. And, and your backwards thinking of what the Bible says is actually wrong. But listen, as God goes on in this passage, as the Lord continues to reveal by the Holy Spirit in this passage, he says, because what may be known of God is manifested in them. In other words, we all have this knowledge that there is a God, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Say without. Without. See, nobody's going to stand before God but God. They ain't going to but him. I promise you it's going to be a quick, uh, yeah, silence. (laughs) Well, that's just horrible. Really? If you go to our Supreme Court and you're standing before the court, and there's a matter being judged, thoughts, truth, if you will, and somebody keeps talking, would that judge say, silence, order in the court? Yet he has authority to do that, and we would say that God doesn't. See, that's part of that defiance of God. Listen as this goes on. Uh, Verse 20, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man. First, exalting man, right? I just lost my spot there. Man. Yeah, the corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Do you find it interesting that, that, that a child in the womb, that a child in the womb is not a life? Now, I've seen these posts, they're hilarious to watch them. I've seen articles out there about it, how you've got people who will defend like uh, an egg because the inside's a baby chick. They'll defend life, uh, you know, trees and, and all that, but yet you get a child in the womb and it's not a life. And let me say, that's the greatest When we think about the judgments that are being made in our society today, the greatest judgment, I think, is coming from heaven itself where America is concerned because we've killed millions upon millions upon millions of unborn children. (laughs) 
It's interesting to watch as, as time's going by, actually this next generation coming up are, are developing deeper convictions that abortion is wrong. And yet those that be in power right now will, will drive as hard as they can to maintain it the way that it is. And you take people who, who uh, are pro-choice and they'll go out <coughs> with an uh, iPad and they, show them, they actually show them an abortion taking place. They're like, well, have you ever seen an abortion? Well, actually, no, I haven't. But you're pro-choice, yes. Well, would you watch this? And they watch it. They're done watching it, and you know what they say? They're like, uh, that changed my mind. See, it's easy to side with something you don't understand or don't really know because it's done out of convenience. It's done out of relativistic ideals. That, well, it's okay for them, and I want the things that I think okay for me, and I'm not subject to anybody. Let me show you the greatest defiance that's in the midst of it. If I could define truth for myself, is that not the greatest statement that, God, you don't exist in my life? We, look, saints, we as believers have to have deep enough conviction and great enough understanding of the word of God that we can set with somebody. Look, I do it all the time. I set with people. I set with a guy, he's in his 50s and he's talking to me in the steam room and he starts telling me why he believes this and why he thinks that and why he thinks that. And I'm like, well, what about this? And I don't necessarily say, you know, the Bible says in dot, 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 verse 22, blah, blah, blah. I don't go Bible on him. I just say, well, do you ever think about it this way? Wow, that's an interesting thought. And then something else, and do you ever think about that that way? And all I'm doing is quoting scripture without quoting scripture. And then when it's like, man, I, you know, where, man, that's pretty smart. Where'd you get that from? Because somehow people know that I'm not that smart. <laughs> it's okay. I'm like, the Bible, it's like, the Bible says that? I'm like, yes, the Bible says that. Do you know most people who, who, who condemn the Bible or speak against the Bible have never really read the Bible? I'm going to finish this and move on. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, say therefore. Therefore. Just so you know, this is where God's saying, because of all of these things that man has done, therefore, now comes God's judgment. Listen to this. Therefore, God also gave them up. There's the judgment. That's fine. You want to go that way? Go that way. You want to defy me? Therefore, God gave them up. God just passed judgment right there in Scripture. It's like, but God doesn't judge. Oh, no, God judges. He judges righteously. His son took the sins of the world, and anyone who would turn to him, their sins are judged through his son. And as a result of that, watch this. In a moment, we're going to do baptism. The Bible talks about that when we are baptized in water, that we renounce the hidden things of darkness. Yet, in so many churches today, what's being preached is, is you, can, you can be homosexual, you can be an adulterer, you can be this, you can be that. You can be all those other things in a Christian. That basically, when we do water baptism, what happens is, is like we embrace the hidden things of darkness and are baptized to be a Christian. No, no. The Bible says that we renounce the hidden things of darkness and we are baptized in water to, to walk in the new and living way. See, that's why sound theology is very important. And nowadays, from the pulpit in America, so many places are allowing for this universalist theology that basically says everybody's in. Now, make no mistake about it, everybody is in, but you've got to follow Christ. Let me give you where that comes from. If the if you don't repent, if you don't come to that place where you come to the Lord and repent of your sins and turn to him, turn from this wicked generation, as it says in the book of Acts, turn to the Lord and follow him, follow him in baptism, follow the word of God. If we don't follow him and, and allow ourselves to continually be filled with the spirit of God, he will blot our name out. It actually says that in Revelation, he'll blot our name out. Well, how do you blot something out if it isn't already in? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So when Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't like, you know, well, I'll wait for you to turn. I, I didn't really die for you until you choose to come to me. 
No, I died for all of you. I died for the whole world is what Jesus would say. Your name's in. But if you don't acknowledge me, then it'll be out. By your own choosing. What Adam gave up, free will, he chose to eat from the tree. Jesus comes back and says, you can come back to the tree of life and stop eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, relativistic thought is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not something new. All right, I got to finish this up. Man, are you enjoying it? I hope you are. I don't know about enjoying it. I'm going home to get in my prayer closet. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, for other men. Uh, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, um, uh, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil Ma- um, excuse me, evil-mindedness, they are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, un- young people, do you hear that one? Uh, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practic- practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Clear enough? Just so you know that last one, I don't care if you're the Supreme Court Justice and you hold one of the highest seats in the land. I don't care if you're President of the United States and you hold one of the highest seats in the land when you approve of people who practice those things that that scripture just defined. You defy the living God. You exchange the truth for a lie. Hmm. I love you, saints. I know I'm speaking about hard things. But the church needs to wake up. We need to wake up. Let me say that it doesn't matter how many are out there that are going another direction. What, what matters is the church recognizes that if God be for you, who can be against you? And if we'll rise to our place and we'll speak with our voice, we'll talk about the things of God's word, and, and, and not just because we read them, but because we have conviction about them, that when we speak with that passion and conviction and, hey, and empathy. I don't speak to people who have issues of sin without empathy. I understand the fallen state of mankind. I am one. But God continues to work in my life and do amazing things because of what His Son has done for me. And allow me to be an example to others. Allow me to reach to somebody that is in that darkness and bring them into marvelous light. That's why Jesus called me. That's why he's called you and empowered you to turn people from darkness. From the power of Satan to the power of God. And out of darkness into light. Not, hey, come into the light and keep your darkness while you're at it. While there's a little cynicism in what I'm saying, it's because when we hear that out there, we, and even when I hear it, I want to say this very clearly. With all the respect for, because I pray for our leaders. I pray for President Obama, whether I agree with everything he says or not. I pray for any leader that we have, because that's what the Bible tells me to do, is to pray for our leaders. And all too often, we can just sign on for criticism and stick right there. And what good does that do? The church needs to be a praying church. We need to be unified in the purpose of heaven. And that is to lift all mankind up to him. Why? Because he came to die for all mankind. When we see the divisive things that are going on, it's because it's not true empathy. It's empathy that serves the purpose of that person to rule over man when God is the one that's meant to rule over man. Our creator. 
The inalienable rights come from him, no one else. So honor should go to him. Service should go to him. Glory should go to him. Expectation should be upon him. And in that expectation upon him, when we pray for those others, guess what happens? God can intervene. Did you know the Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord and he'll turn it whichever way he desires? Did you know that? The heart of the president is in the hand of the Lord and he'll turn it with the, whichever way it goes. Now, if I believe that, I got to wonder, why is God not turning that heart that way? And I say that all too often people get the leaders that they deserve because of the things that they want. You see how relativism plays back into that now? We tend to vote. We don't, oftentimes don't vote our kind. And again, what we're provided to vote for oftentimes doesn't match up with the Bible either. That's why we got to pray for our leaders, amen? All right, let me, let me wrap this up. The kingdom of God, this is what the kingdom says. You are my very own. While the world will say that you be who you want to be, the kingdom of God says you are my very own. You are ordained. You have an ordained identity. You have an ordained identity. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That was Jeremiah's ordination, that God made him, called him, purposed him in life for a very specific purpose. He's done the same for us. What is that? That's up to us to find out from God what that ordained purpose is and live it out. Amen? But very, very important for us to know that heaven has a purpose for our life. The third thing is love's expression. Love's expression. See, the world says love everyone the way they are and leave them there. See, you conform. You conform to the world. Isaiah 22 and 13 says, let us eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Now, I, I did that as a very short passage to say that, that basically... This is a time in Isaiah that look, if you go back and read that story, you'll find it's a lot like our time. And here it is, and people, rather than, than, than uh, rend their garments, cover themselves in sackcloth and, cloth and ash. And it was like, Pastor, are you tell me to go home and get sackcloth and ash? You know, it's like, what's sackcloth anyway, burlap? <laughs> no, I'm not telling you to do that. But I am saying we need to allow our hearts to be broken over the situation that we find our nation in and that we see we see the plight of riots and death and murder and see police against blacks and blacks against police and you know I, I really don't care the argument on either side at this point what I care is that prayer is the only thing that's going to really get to the heart of it and change it the heart of people have to change and I might have my own personal stance on some of it what I'm trying to say is heaven has a stance on all this saints we can get caught up in everything the world's talking about and completely miss what God is trying to say to all of us in the midst of it. And it's so important for us to embrace what heaven's saying because if we will be a people who will lend our voice to what heaven speaks, then we become a people who are prophetic and speak into a situation just like Jesus spoke to the storms when the disciples were, oh my gosh, we're going to perish. Everybody's out there saying we're going to perish. And Jesus is standing up and declaring to the storm, peace, be still. And we have an anointing from the Father to speak to those situations in prayer, to speak to them and call them those things that aren't as though they were. In other words, it's this way right now, but I speak peace over Milwaukee. I speak peace to our law enforcement. I speak peace to the black community. I speak grace and understanding to the hearts of every white person in our nation. Because when these things emerge, we got to understand, it's not like they're there because they weren't there. They're there because they've been beneath the surface, stewing, and all it took was something to set it off. Come on now. We have to be a, a, the kind of believers that speak into that in a prophetic way that God can intervene. He can heal our land. kingdom says love them where they are but invite them to be transformed 
Love people where they are, but give them the invitation to be transformed. Romans 12, 1 through 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable. Say reasonable. It's not even excessive. It's just reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Like what Albert Einstein said one time, he said, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by by those who watch them without doing anything. The world's not... We see all that's going on. The world's not going to be destroyed by that. It's going to be destroyed by the people who hold the truth that you do. And we stand by and don't do anything. It's like, well, then do I need to go? You know what? The best thing we could do, the greatest thing we could do, is to at least bend our knee once a day to pray for the leaders of this nation, to pray for those situations, to call God into the the crisis that we see going on in our country. No, by the way, even when you think of Louisiana right now, it would be a great thing to bend our knee and call God to intervene in that situation. Do you know the Bible uh, declares that the floodwaters will have to go back? That the waters have to go back. They come in, but they have to go back. Do you know that that is God's uh, divine protection for mankind? Calamity's going to come, but God even declares in scriptures. And have you ever noticed the waters don't stay on the land? It may come in, but they have to go back. And there is something to that. That the enemy may come in like a flood, but God lifts up a standard against him. He's got to go back. Come on. That may be in your life and the things that we see. I don't want us as, as a church to live in a bubble. We've got people around us that are hurting you have people that, that, are, that are so drawn into those things, we can't ignore them. We do have to speak about the issues that are going on in our society, but they need to be spoken of in a way that reflects on the Word of God in the midst of them. See, love's going to have an expectation. It's got to have empathy if it's going to make a difference, and it needs an expression. And God's called every one of us to live in those but not defined by the world, defined by the kingdom of heaven, defined by his word, allowing basically heaven to get in so it can get out here. Amen? Listen, let me share with you for a moment um, as we move into baptism and the, the worship team can come. That, that as we take this step, I know I've shared enough today to understand what this step means, even referring to that we renounce the hidden things of darkness, we don't embrace them. But baptism in water for the believer is one of the most essential parts of the Christian faith. And the reason why that is is because Jesus commanded us to do it. <laughs> Matthew 28, 19 through 20, this is what Jesus said. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen. The early church practiced baptism, as we see in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6.3-6 says, Help us, it helps us to understand the purpose of baptism and the benefits of baptism. It says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We're acknowledging he died for our sins. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, say even so, Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also uh, shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, say knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him and the body of sin, that the body of sin might be done away with, 
that we should no longer be slaves to sin. It's right there. That's Jesus saying, look, when you acknowledge me, that you have faith, and when you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And when you go into baptism, all you're doing is you're saying for all to see publicly that, hey, when I go in this water, I recognize that Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and resurrected from the dead. And as a symbol, I allow myself to be baptized, buried in water, and leave the old man in that watery grave, and come about the new man or new woman to walk in that new and living way. Not to be bound to sin, not to go back into sin, but to walk in the new and living way. And the best way you can walk in the new and living way is, as Peter said, be baptized, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, when the Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, what happens is, is that you're not trying to make the outside match you're letting the inside work its way out as you're in scripture and you're in prayer and you're inviting the spirit. The spirit begins to lead you and guide you into all truth. And as Peter said, the sins that go in remission, that's done immediately, right? Remission is. Does that mean immediate? No. That's little by little they go away. Right? You get treated for cancer, cancer goes in remission, what happens? Right? It's going away. That old nature is going away. The only way the old nature goes away is not to return to it, to get up and walk in the new and living way. Would you all come this morning? Yeah, I want us all to pray over our children. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our children. God, I thank you for the volunteers and, Father, those that serve them. And, Lord, I pray that all that they're being taught... Lord, remain in their hearts that as they grow up before you, Lord, that they are in love with you because they know how much you love them. Father, for everything that you've done today, we bless you, we honor you. And Lord, we send these kids out with their parents. Father, blessed and protected in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Enjoy your day.